0: Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I sit down with Jessica Mernan.
1: Sapphire training helps the on-the-go woman feel more energetic, find her inner peace, and become more powerful by creating a fitness lifestyle she loves.
0: Jessica is someone that I've actually uh, been following for a few years. She has a podcast, one part podcast, and I love her mission. Um, She's all about spreading the awareness of having one plant-based meal a day. And so that's something that I also believe in, especially after um, studying Ayurveda now the last few years. And so I really love what she's doing. Um, She also has endometriosis, and we talk about that today because that is part of her story and how she developed kind of the one part plant movement is from her experiences from her own health. So she has um, also has a podcast um, on writing a cookbook. So if anyone's interested in writing a cookbook, she goes through that process as well. So she is someone who I really look up to. I think she is awesome. She's really down to earth. She also is a huge Jalen and Jacoby podcast fan, which we talk about at the end of the interview. So if anyone else is looking for a good NBA podcast, uh, I would highly recommend that one. All right. So without further ado, here is today's episode with Jessica. Welcome to the Peaceful Power podcast. I'm super excited. I have Jessica Mernan
1: with me today. So uh, how are you doing today, Jessica? I'm doing good. I've got a cat in my lap all of a sudden, and um, I'm, I'm having a good day. Oh, I love it. My cat is upstairs. She likes to lay on the computer when she comes down.
0: <laughs> so for everyone out there, can you tell us a little bit about your background and um, kind of, you are all about plants and one part plant movement and also have an amazing podcast. So share with us what you will, and we'll kind of take it from there.
1: I will give you the condensed version. Uh, Cause I feel like my story is long, but yeah. So I am a former graphic designer who seven years ago, I was supposed to get a hysterectomy because I have stage four endometriosis. And if people are not familiar what endometriosis is, it's when the lining, the type of tissue on the lining of your uterus grows to other parts of your body. So what seems kind of like a crazy disease, actually one in 10 women suffer from it. It's just a lot of women don't know they suffer from it. And so, yeah, I I went to multiple doctors. Um, I had different surgeries to treat the endo. And it just progressively got worse. And my doctor told me a hysterectomy was the way to go. And now, meanwhile, now that I have done all the research that I've done, and I know all the things I know, a hysterectomy doesn't necessarily take away endometriosis pain. Because once that tissue has spread to other parts of your body, just getting a hysterectomy doesn't mean that it's going to solve all your problems. So I was scheduled to get the hysterectomy. I was going to do it in the, it was the summer and I was going to do it in the winter because I kind of wanted to enjoy my summer before I got my uterus taken out. And uh, a friend of mine saw what pain I was in. She was staying with me. And when you have a chronic illness or disease, you get really good at hiding your pain. And it's just, I don't know. I'm sure you've had a friend in your life that's always complaining about something. Mm -hmm. And as much as you care, it's just like, oh my God, we have to talk about this again. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't want to complain about feeling bad all the time. So I definitely hit it. But a friend of mine, Amanda, who my book is actually dedicated to. Mm. Saw what pain I was in and and she took it upon herself to do some research. And she found that a plant-based diet could help with endometriosis pain. And I want to be clear, there is no cure to endo, but um, I don't know. I didn't think that it would work. I thought there was like a 1% chance that it would work, but I told her I would try it for three weeks and see what happens. And I tried it. And uh I didn't get the hysterectomy, and now I would say that eighty percent of my symptoms are not existent anymore because of the diet change. And I will say too, it's not just the diet change. you know, from changing my diet, I then had enough energy, and I was not in so much pain that I was able to start working out more, and then I was able to start. Meditating, and I was all I just I felt confident at that point to start introducing more wellness practices in my life, but the food was definitely the kickoff for me.
0: And how old were you when you were told that you should get a hysterectomy? I was thirty-three years old. Wow! So, like, their doctors just—that was kind of their first and only conclusion, then.
1: Yeah. Well, I went to my doctor who was just you know said I can't do another surgery on you again to to take out the indo and your options are to go on a drug a hormone therapy or to get a hysterectomy and for me I wasn't interested in going on a drug hormone therapy that once injected into my body I had no control of getting it out of my body mm-hmm. and also it was a temporary fix right so like the hysterectomy to me felt like all right let's just be done with this mm-hmm. and so then because that is really extreme to get a hysterectomy I saw another doctor and the doc- that new doctor told me the same thing that he felt a hysterectomy would be the best option so um, it's funny though that second doctor he was a little bit of a are we allowed to say bad words on this? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> he was a total dick. <laughs> and I, I, rem, I remember after the fact, I was so excited to share with him how this new diet and lifestyle change helped me that I actually brought him some plant-based cookies that I made. And he just kind of like laughed it off. I was like, oh. like didn't believe at all that that's what helped me. And, you know, I think a lot of women face that when it comes not just to endometriosis, but with other chronic illnesses, that there's just this power of drugs and medicine, and there's a lot of doctors that, that don't really investigate or even believe in other types of holistic healing practices. And like I said, there is no cure to, to a lot of this stuff, but if it could make you feel 10 20 50 percent better like it's worth a try yes
0: no i totally agree i like to i just got into ayurveda and i've been you know studying that now for the last couple of years and so i've just seen so many different benefits from even incorporating that into my life and just trying to you know take more of a preventative approach to even colds and like flu season and just trying to take more proactive about my health than reacting to stuff that might happen you know, because I wasn't taking care of me, you know? And I think that that's something that, you know, even like I talk with my doctor who I, you know, love dearly and she, you know, knows that I'm like, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. And, you know, I have found someone that can help advocate that. And so I think sometimes it is trying to find someone who will, you know, kind of align with what you're trying to do.
1: Yeah, I I spoke at Wanderlust this past weekend and I met a woman that, says that on a scale of one to 10, her pain is a level nine every single month, oh, which oh, is gosh. just not a level nine. And like, That's horrible, imagine waking up every single day, knowing that you're going to be in that much pain. It leads to depression. It leads to mm-hmm. suicidal thoughts. And she said she had been to three doctors and the doctors just told her well, that she just had to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so she gave up trying to find a doctor. It's just like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the thing with endo too. The, the the stat on that is it is it takes a woman an average of 10 years and eight doctors to find one that will help her. And is, is it she- misdiagnosed a lot too? Oh yeah. It's yeah. always misdiagnosed. I mean, it's everything from IBS to um, urinary tract infections to appendicitis. Like so many women will go to the emergency room, not knowing they have endo. And then people want to give them an appendicitis, like, Mm -hmm. or an append, what is that? The removal of your appendix, whatever that's called. But, um, yes, but yeah, it's, I mean, one doctor told me when I told her that it was painful to have sex, which is a classic endo symptom. That doctor told me that I just needed to relax more in bed. What? which is <laughs> crazy. And I, I ended up not being diagnosed until oh gosh. seven years after that. So for seven years, I thought I was just an uptight prude in bed. Mm. So wow. yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's my mission right now to educate women on all of these symptoms and just, because the thing is, is if you don't know what the symptoms are, how are you supposed to know that you have something
0: mm-hmm.
1: every, every single time, any time that a woman goes to her gynecologist, she's definitely educated on breast cancer and STDs, but no one is giving you a sheet about mm-hmm. this is something that one in 10 women suffer from. Here are the symptoms. It's just, it needs to change. Mm. And what about childbirth?
0: Is that something that, because I've heard before that if you have endometriosis, it's probably not going to happen. Is that true? Or what have you found around that?
1: Yeah, well, there's definitely, endometriosis definitely causes a lot of infertility issues Mm -hmm. um, big time. But that is why early detection is so crucial because, you know, if you're in high school or your early college years and you know that you have endometriosis then maybe you can get excision surgery or you can you know change your habits to kind of help those symptoms but yeah infertility is a big one for women and then there's also this stupid thing that a lot of the medical community says is that getting a getting a getting pregnant Heals your endometriosis, it doesn't Mm -hmm. heal it. You're just not having your period for nine months or however long you're pregnant for. So it doesn't put it in remission, it doesn't cure it. It's just you're just not having your period for that amount of time. So, you know, I've gotten letters from people before that say, My doctor says that I either need to get pregnant or get a hysterectomy. It's like, okay, oh my gosh. What? <laughs> Those are your only two options. <laughs> yeah, and for a lot of women, like, first of all, a lot of women don't have a partner at the time maybe. Yeah. Like, imagine how shitty that must feel if someone says you need to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you're on Tinder trying to find like, you know, a cute boy to go on a date with. Like you're not going to like who you can't might not be able to get pregnant or maybe you don't want to have a baby. Mhm. It's not a solution. Ugh. But it, yeah, that
0: is so interesting. Just kind of see this because my mother-in-law um, has endometri- endometriosis and she has, um, well, they adopted three kids and then she ended up getting pregnant and wow. has two more, at, you know, after the fact. And, um, you know, she was just saying how much, you know, she had struggled with in the beginning and that was, you know, gosh, in the sixties. And so just medicine wasn't where it is today. So like nobody really knew exactly what to do with it or how do we treat this, you know, is there a solution, you know? and it's that's amazing where, that she was even diagnosed. My gosh. I mean, I think that took quite a few years. I think it was after she adopted a couple of kids because they wow. just couldn't figure it out. Um, and then, you know, they kind of were like, oh, this is what's been going on. And then I've had another friend who actually in college got diagnosed. And so she was lucky because it was early. And so she had it taken care of and, you know, knew, okay, this is what I have to change in my life. But I know so many people who again, it just, they have no idea what's going on and, you know, could it be this, but nobody really believes them. And the same thing with, you know, I feel pain, but you know, people again, don't necessarily want to hear I'm in pain all day long.
1: Right. And then, you know, a lot of the other symptoms are diarrhea, constipation. Mm-hmm. Like, so these are symptoms that you might think are just related to you eating too much pizza or, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, going off, like a drinking vendor or something like <laughs> Why would you relate that to something that involves your period? Mm -hmm. So there's so I think, and that's why a lot of times it gets misdiagnosed is because there's so many symptoms that don't seem like they would be related to your uterus.
0: Yeah, that is. So is that kind of where your whole, like the one part plant movement came from was just kind of the just discovering how much it's helped you. And that's kind of where you wanted to start it
1: from. Yeah, for sure. So with one part plant, one part plant is my mission for people to eat at least one plant-based meal a day to start. Because when I changed my diet to a plant-based diet, I would say I cried for probably the first three months about changing my diet. Like, even though it was helping me, Mm -hmm. I was really mad that that's the way that I had to eat. Mm. But it's just because I didn't know that you could actually have like plant-based lasagna and plant-based cookies. And I thought I had to basically eat brown rice and (laughs) steamed broccoli, right? Which is like depressing to think that's the rest of your life. So with one part plant, it was, yeah, it's, it's, it's me showing people that you can eat plant-based foods in a really delicious way. And that it doesn't have to be all or nothing because Not everyone is going to be able to go from zero to plant-based in one day. And I think with anything that we do in our lives, it takes practice. And I think, too, with what I'm doing is I think there's so many people that decide to say, okay, so I'm going to be vegan or I'm going to be paleo, and then they eat a grain or a piece of cheese, and then all of a sudden they feel like they failed, or people in their family are like, wait, I thought you said you were going to be vegan. I thought you said you're going to... So I think by starting with one plant-based meal a day, it just gives you a little bit of room to not feel like you have to be perfect because it's already hard enough to change your diet. So like, don't feel the pressure on top of that of having to be perfect too. Mm. I love that. Cause I think
0: that's so true. You know, just being in like the fitness realm and just seeing people, you know, like we'll just cash in a whole day if they start off on the wrong foot. And I'm like, Oh, but it's, you know, you have the whole rest of the day to turn things around or, you know, maybe in the evening, Hey, let's have that plant-based meal, you know, rather than just giving up on whatever they were trying to foul, foul or follow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's something that I really appreciate is that there's just a little bit more freedom. And I think that's what people need when we approach our diets, because if we're so restrictive about things, that's where things tend to go haywire and we throw in the towel.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, I always like to tell people too, I mean, just because you're following a plant-based diet doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to lose weight. Usually most people do, but what it is, is, is just, you know, I might kind of overdo it on some plant based cookies, but after I don't have a stomach ache, Mm -hmm. you know, or I don't have constipation or I don't have diarrhea. So I think, you know, especially for women with endometriosis, what a plant based diet is doing is it's taking out all of those inflammatory foods Mm -hmm. that's going to make your period worse because you're already super inflamed down there as it is. So when you're adding inflammatory foods, you're just adding fuel to the fire.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's so good to think about. And that's, that's where like kind of that Ayurveda thing that I've been kind of working on. And I don't know if you're familiar with that. Ayurveda? Yeah, yeah, for sure? So that's where like, I've kind of switched the early, later dinners and that has made such a difference in just my life in general. Like I eat when I feed my son at like five o'clock, like, and I'm done eating by usually five 30. And then I try not to eat anything after that. And I've realized when I wake up in the morning, I don't have like that. We call it the ama, the white coating on the tongue. I don't have that anymore because my food is digesting when I'm sleeping. You know, I'm not having to sit there and, you know, like my husband, he'll know if he ate too late, he'll get up in the middle of the night and like, you know, have to go pop in some antacids, which I already told him how to combat this. He does not listen to me, (laughs) but you know, I'm like, you can solve this problem. And I think that's what some of us have to realize is that what we're eating really does affect us and those kind of weird symptoms. We don't always have to have those.
1: Yeah, it's funny that you just mentioned how that is like a very ancient practice to eat early in light but now it has the name Intermittent Fasting. Yes. Um, yes. It's, like, it's like, yeah, man, like that's cool if you want to give that name, but that's like what people have been doing for a really long time.
0: <laughs> yes. We
1: just talked about that in one of our
0: little forums. Where like, when the, our teacher was like, have you heard of this? She's like, I hadn't heard of this. But then I realized it's what I've been
1: talking about for years. <laughs> yeah. And I just think that what the way that you guys approach it from that philosophy it just feels more approachable to me. And I'm not dissing anyone that does the fasting, but as soon as you add the word fasting... Yeah, scares it scares people away. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh. So
0: what do you do if someone, um, say their spouse isn't on board. So mm-hmm. um, maybe they want to try to start doing one plant-based meal a day, but their spouse doesn't want to do that, or maybe their kids don't. How do you kind of give women advice in that area?
1: Yeah, it's tricky because... It's like you want everyone in your life to be supportive, but I think when it comes to food, people have, you know, their own, I don't want to say issues, but you know, they're, oh, yeah. they're loyal to their own diets. And also you know? I think that what people have to understand too is, is that if someone is not being supportive of your dietary change, it might not have anything to do with you. It might have to do with the fact that they feel like you're losing something together. Like for Mm. instance, you know, you, let's say you and your husband, every Friday night, you get a pizza together and you watch shark tank.
0: Oh my gosh. How did you know? I really, that is like (laughs) what I do.
1: (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) So then all of a sudden you tell your husband or your spouse, Hey, I'm not eating pizza anymore. Then it's like, wait, what? Like you're taking away the special thing that we share together. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times I don't, I think it comes from a a different place than maybe you realize. Mm -hmm. So I think that when it is coming from that place or you kind of get a hunch that, okay, so maybe instead of pizza, you guys make a really delicious plant-based lasagna, or maybe you get uh, a plant-based Thai food delivered, or maybe you just do something that is a new version of what you used to do, as opposed to just eliminating it altogether. Uh, And, you know, I always say too, it's like, if you go to a dinner party and you're sitting at the dinner party with an empty plate, people are automatically going to stare at you. What's wrong with you? You don't like my food. Do you have an eating disorder? Whatever. So instead I just, you know, make sure that your plate is full, like make sure you bring something to share with everyone else and make sure that you're able to not be the odd man out because that's when people get weird too. But I think in terms of the 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 family that is I don't know. I'm kind of hardcore in that way where it's like if you're the if you're the mom, if you're the mom in the family or if you're the dad in the family that's making the food for everyone, Like, people just kind of either need to step up and make some of their own food or eat what you're serving them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know that's hardcore, but it's like if you're trying to make great changes for yourself and people aren't on board, then they need to step up and do what they want to do too. And I know that that's not always the case in some families, but it's just, I just don't always think that moms should suffer because they want to better themselves. And maybe that means that you make a dish that you used to make, like maybe you make a red curry or you make a spaghetti sauce for your family and for their portion, you can still put the meatballs or whatever else that they want in it. And you don't have that in yours. Like maybe try to make food that can be for both people without you having to make two meals for everyone, which is absolutely ridiculous. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's. I've done that with my husband because I, he doesn't usually eat with us that early and he, you know, coaches basketball. So he's usually out during the evening. And so I told him, I'm like, look, if you're not, if you don't want to eat the leftovers, then you're just on your own and making whatever you want to have when you get back from coaching. And so that's kind of our balance. And I had kind of that like tough love, like, I don't want to have to cook two different meals to satisfy what, you know, my son and I are eating and then you're eating. And typically, I mean, like they're a supportive spouse, they're going to be like, "All right, it's totally fine."
1: Yeah, and you know, and I do think, you know, I do think that for a lot of women, that their job is to stay at home and to care for their family. I definitely understand that, you know, that is part of their duties to take care of their family and cook for them. But at some point, like everyone has to kind of come together a little bit. Um, and I also think maybe it's just making them something and not trying to be shady or sneaking it in, but maybe it's just making, I keep on coming back to the lasagna, but I feel like a <laughs> lot of families like that, but maybe it's making a lasagna and just serving it to them. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to make an announcement that this is gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, whatever free, just like serve it and see what happens. And as yes. chances are, they might not even know that it's plant-based. I've
0: totally done that with my husband as well and you know what he sometimes notices if I try to sneak things in that he doesn't like but it does work like I try to compromise with so he doesn't like cauliflower but then I discovered broccoli rice and I was like well I'll see if he'll eat this and what do you know he was like great I love broccoli this is taste delicious so sometimes it's kind of finding that happy medium too to you know just different ways to sneak in you know okay all of us can have that meal together.
1: Yeah. And I think it's like not forcing your family to eat a plain kale salad with olive oil and vinegar. You know what I mean? Like yes. don't make them something that's like too healthy. To yes. No one wants to eat that no matter how healthy you are.
0: Yes. I know that's where I've also, I'm like, okay, cause you know, my, I have a 16 month old, he's not going to eat a salad himself right now. So that's where I'm like, okay, how can I know make it healthy for him and inviting because he's also now at the age where he'll just throw things on the ground if he doesn't (laughs) want to eat it (laughs) do you have any tips for that by the way what throwing food yeah throwing food (laughs) toddlers who don't want to eat any healthy veggie vegetables
1: uh you know i just think i think it's kind of i mean again like i hate the sneaky shady thing but i think it's just like i remember with my son um he loved applesauce so I would just start making applesauce with a little bit of kale blended in or a little bit of oh. spinach blended in. so to him it still tasted exactly the same. Or like for instance, with his pancakes that I make for him, I blend a little bit of uh, spinach into the milk that I use, the almond Ooh, milk that I use yeah. for the pancake. So then he calls them green cakes. like he <laughs> thinks it's kind of funny that they're green and like you legit cannot taste the vegetables that are in it. Ooh, those so, are good ideas. So yeah, so I think just kind of mixing it in in ways that you can't taste it is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. I'll have to try some of that with him because he he was doing amazing
0: and then now he's just kind of, you know, I just have to keep try. I just keep trying to show it and introduce
1: it to him, but then that's a yeah, better way to make sure age. he gets it. He, like with my son, Sid, I was I felt like, oh my gosh, what are these other moms talking about? He eats... <laughs> everything. And then around the like 16 month, 18 month mark, like all of a sudden he would only eat like one thing. And
0: yes. Like, oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what happened to me. Like I have a friend whose son is a little bit older and I was like, I don't understand why he doesn't eat anything. And then I'm like, Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so how do you kind of spread the one part plant movement, like without coming off preachy? Cause that's something else that I know, especially in like, I know that you don't like label like the vegan vegetarian community, but a lot of times it can come off preachy and it scares people away. So how do you kind of go about that
1: balance? Yeah. I mean, I think I go about that balance just by just, I think out the gate, I'm telling you to start with one. Mm -hmm. And I think what's interesting is, and what always makes me feel so happy is that when I tell people the one part plant philosophy, their automatic response is one, I could mm-hmm. do that. Whereas if I said, I've, I've heard people tell people that you have to go vegan. And then their first response is, well, I could never give up cheese. Mm-hmm. And so I think automatically my philosophy doesn't, is like a non judgmental philosophy. I'm just telling people start with one. And then I think I think what it is, is that, you know, in my book, I never say the word vegan or vegetarian unless I'm describing, you know, a way of eating, but I don't use those words to describe what I do. And I also think by me making food that people already are comfortable with and that already include in their diet, but it's just tweaked a little bit, I think that makes it less preachy and judgy too. You know, I'm not telling you, you know, to, to buy40 dollars powders and like maca and things, which, you know, I use that kind of stuff on my own, but like, I'm not making you invest in a bunch of exotic ingredients, because I just know that that's not for everyone. Like when I was making my book, it was really important to me that, for the most part, I would say, 80, 90 percent of what's in the book you could buy at Walmart. And that was really important to me because that's where most of America shops. Like Mm -hmm. most of America doesn't shop at Whole Foods, even though when you live in the wellness bubble, it seems like everyone shops there, but that's not the case. So I, I really try my best to make things pretty accessible. I have probably three weird ingredients in my book, but I make it very clear where you can purchase them. And Amazon is at the top of the list.
0: Yes, I I really like that you do that too because um, like I'm originally from a small town of like 500 people, and so my mom always says, you know, she's like, I have such a tough time because she has to drive half an hour or an hour to get to a grocery store even, and so she was just like, all of these you know crazy stuff we don't carry even in the you know larger towns because they're still not that big, right? For sure. And so she's just like, where? What do I do? Like, where do I get this? And then like even getting deliveries from Amazon, it's not like it comes, like they don't have, you know, a hour prime delivery type of thing. You know, it's, they don't have that option. So Amazon usually will still take a few days because they're in the middle of the country. Right. So that's something else that I think she appreciates when she's trying to do anything to change like that, because it is frustrating for her. Cause she's like, I can't keep up with, you know, fresh veggies all the time just because they'll spoil. And then I have to drive and go get them a couple times a week. And that's just not, you know, possible.
1: Yeah. And I really appreciate this whole, like, you know, you can, you, you have to buy seasonal, you have, it's like, we have to understand that, you know, there's people like your mom that are living in, you know, more of a rural place that might not have access to things. There's people that live in food deserts that have no grocery stores close by or don't have a a lot of money to shop. And I think that, powders and the expensive stuff and like only shopping seasonal and organic like I think that that is definitely for some people but it's not for the majority of America mm-hmm. and I think that we have to like remember that like, like not everyone knows what a shallot is so you could use an onion mm-hmm. you know what I mean like yes. you can't always find shallots somewhere so use an <laughs> onion and I just I, I really approach my work in that way
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's that's a great example because I remember the first time I saw that in a recipe, and I was like Googling what is a shallot? (laughs) What does it look like?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it kind of looks like a weird onion garlic thing, but like not a lot of grocery stores carry those.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, because I remember I'm like okay, because I think sometimes too, even when we go in the grocery store, if you're not familiar, like you might be looking for something, but you have no idea where it is, and you know you're like just kind of wandering and trying to find it. And I know that can be like kind of intimidating for people as well.
1: For sure. It's funny that you say that because in my book, I have um, a list of my top 10 pantry ingredients. And after I list the ingredient, I write underneath it specifically where you can find it in the grocery store. Because, you know, one thing I mentioned is tahini. Tahini mm-hmm. is in hummus. Everyone has probably had it before, but a lot of people have never bought it. Mm-hmm. So where are you supposed to find that at the grocery store? And it's like usually 99% of the time it's in the peanut butter aisle on the bottom shelf. It's like, so just, I, you know, people now huh. know to go there or it's in the ethnic aisle. So I, um, it, it was important for me to explain to where to find things too. Mm. I love that. Cause that
0: actually another one I was looking for that and i remember the first time i'm like i had to ask one of the employees cuz so i was like i have no idea where your tahini is and it was on the bottom shelf i think it was right by the peanut butter so i'm like i
1: would have never looked here <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah and some people don't want to ask cuz they feel yeah. embarrassed or like is that how you pronounce that so yes. yeah the 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 more guidance that we can give people when it comes to this stuff the better because there's people online that that make it seem like they woke up yesterday and started greeting started drinking green juice and knew everything. And maybe that is the case for some people, but most of us had to work to get here. So it's like share all the time and energy and work that you put into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I
0: just had this realization with um, kind of a video I saw online with training and it was uh, like a someone who was six months pregnant, but like had a six pack and was doing all these exercises that you should not be doing when you're pregnant. And I'm like, How do people not realize this? And people are like commenting, great, great workout. And so, all of us who actually like train pre postnatal women as, you know, kind of our specialty, we're all like, no, that is not the message to share. And so, for us, we're like, okay, we are living in kind of that bubble where we work with people who know that's not what to do, but the majority of people don't know that. So, I think that's just something for everyone, you know, whether whatever profession they might be, if they're online, you know, just making sure that you are, you know, going out there and spreading you know, your knowledge and remembering to keep it basic.
1: Yes. Like yesterday, I know this is unhealth related, but yesterday I got a message on Instagram and it said, I know this is a dumb question, but how do I download a podcast? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, that's not a dumb question. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm glad that you asked. And maybe I need to do a better job at telling people how to download a podcast. So we just assume that people know things that we know, but not everyone knows them. So yeah, we got to start from, start from the bottom sometimes. Oh yeah. I've had many clients ask me, they're like, I know you have a podcast, but
0: I can't figure out how to listen to it. And I'm like, oh wow. You know, again, same thing where I'm like, oh, let me show you. And then a lot of times I'm like, oh, it's an app and they don't even know that. And so I tried to do a little video on that, actually a Facebook live to teach people how to do that, which is quite difficult when you have your phone and you're trying to Make that work. I tried. (laughs) Um, So I do want to chat about your podcast really quick because I love your podcast. Thank you. Um, It's it's so good. So it's the one part plant podcast.
1: Well, it's just one part podcast. Okay, one part podcast. That's hard to that's hard to say. I know. I know. know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I um, just listened to one of the past guests that you had, and I know he was kind of had a controversial message that you got. You know, messages about. Yeah. Yes. And so I love that your response though, because I think it was perfect in terms of, you know, Hey, we all are going to be exposed to this. And, you know, if you're at a dinner party, you might sit next to them and listen to them, but you won't sit next to them again or follow their message. So I love that response. So how do you kind of go about picking people, you know, based on their knowledge or that everyone's going to like them? You know, how do you find that kind of balance?
1: Well, first of all, I only choose people because I get pitched a lot during Mm -hmm. every day I get a bunch of pitches from PR agencies or I get pitches, you know, about people that have a new book out. I, first off the, my first criteria is if this person sat in front of me, would I have anything to say to them or would I have Mm -hmm. anything to ask them? And I have been pitched celebrities before. And I'm like, I don't really have anything I want to ask them. So I think (laughs) First off, do I actually want to talk to this person as opposed to like this person will give me good download numbers
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because if I don't really want to talk to them, the interview's not going to be that great. And then second, I just want them to provide some type of information that could potentially be helpful to someone. like for instance, I had someone that um, on that is a psychologist that had dealt with severe depression and suicidal thoughts. And I know that there's someone listening to my podcast that has had those same feelings and feels alone. Mm -hmm. And, and I, in when I think about it, sometimes I don't think this person's going to help everybody. I literally think this person might only help one person, but that feels worth it to me. Mm -hmm. And then I also try to choose guests in the past, especially when I was writing my book, I think I did a poor job at just having on guests that were really similar because I kind of got into this groove of having a lot of cookbook authors and a lot of people that had a similar message. But moving forward in this new season, I've really tried to make sure that no guest has the same message really. Mm-hmm. And that I am offered able to offer a lot of different viewpoints.
0: And I like that. Cause I think that that's, I mean, you know, he might've actually shared that episode with one of my clients because I thought that would benefit her. And then the next week when you said you got a lot of um, emails about that, I was like, oh, that's interesting because my client listened and she actually was taking away stuff that could help her. So, you know, I was like, oh, that's, you know, everyone has just different people they gravitate towards and, you know, depending on people's background. So I really appreciate that you do
1: have that variety. Well, good. I mean, I didn't apologize for having him on because and I, I love just, that too. I'm like, I'm not, I have apologized about weird stuff I've done, but I'm like, I'm not going to apologize because I do think he can help someone. It just might not be you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I want to know a little bit more about your
0: cookbook. So tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Um, I actually have it on order right now, so it should be oh, coming cool. any day.
1: Um, well you should have told me I could just sent you one, but, um, <laughs> My cookbook is One Part Plant. And like I said, it definitely encourages people to eat. Start with one plant-based meal a day. And it's not just for women with endometriosis. I think it can be helpful to all people, whether you suffer from a disease or you don't suffer from a disease. And one thing that I am really proud of about the book is just how simple the recipes are. I would say that 95% of them are very easy. There's that 5% that I felt like I wanted to offer people that already kind of knew what they were doing. Or once they kind of like get the courage in the kitchen, they could kind of, you know, go to the next level. And so it's a very much of an entry point for people that want to make small changes to their diet. And it's funny, I think that the majority of the people that are buying my book are not plant-based people. Mm -hmm. And most of the people that listen to my podcasts are not plant-based people because I don't know, it's just, it's, I want it to be an, I don't know, a really open place for people to be able to not feel judged. And that book to me is that, and I will also say with the book, the feedback that I've been getting a lot is it's, it's, and I'm not bragging. I'm telling you what other people have said, <laughs> but they said that it, they said it's the first cookbook that they've ever read from cover to cover because it is, there is a lot of storytelling in it. And Lena Dunham wrote the foreword and her foreword is just so good. Mm-hmm. And if you like her writing or you like girls, even if you don't like girls, like it's a really great foreword. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's a little bit more than a cookbook and I feel proud of that. Oh, that's
0: awesome. Yeah. Cause I had, um, I got Rich Roll's cookbook, him and Julie Pyatt, which oh, yeah. I know it was awesome. just on your podcast. Yeah. And I had that. And I remember I, when I first bought it, I bought it right when it came out and I was like, Oh my goodness, this is way too hard for me to cook. But now after studying Ayurveda for the past year, I actually opened it up and I was like, okay, I actually know what some of the stuff is now. So it's a little bit less intimidating. So this might be right. a good option for people
1: just getting into
0: it. So you don't get so
1: overwhelmed. Yes. Definitely. And I think that, you know, you'll look at some of the recipes and you'll say, wait, there's only three ingredients or mm-hmm. there's only five ingredients. Like what? And then you feel like you can do it. That's yeah, that's great. Especially if you're just trying, because that's when
0: I was, I would, first was going to try to make the change. And then I got that cookbook and I was like, I can't make the change too hard. And then I'm like, no, I can start, you know, making the change just a little bit slower.
1: And then eventually yeah, I'll get hard. back to there. You're rich and Julie are a little bit more advanced. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like yes. they've been doing this for a while. And I think most of their audience are people that are already on their way into the journey. Oh yes. Yep.
0: That's where I discovered after that cookbook. So I was like, okay, I need something that's a little bit easier for me to jump into. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Cause um, it's intimidating, man. It's like, oh, gosh, there's some people like for me, when I started cooking, I never even cooked, I never knew how to cook rice like that was like hard for me. So this book is for people that don't even know how to cook rice.
0: Yes. And my husband would say, I am one of those people still, <laughs> even though I just take it off too soon. And it's a little hard and crunchy when I <laughs> yeah. consider it done. <laughs> so what is one of your favorite plant-based recipes then?
1: Uh, I mean, I, there's this recipe in there that is, it's a little, I would say it's a little bit I would say it's a little bit more advanced only because it has an ingredient in there that I think is unfamiliar to people, but something I pro- I probably make it once a week. It's this sag, I call it sag plant near. So it's like sag paneer, the Indian dish,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but um, it's so cheap too. I think that that is a misconception about plant-based diet. It says they have to be super expensive So I really like cheap food for dinner. So I tend to make this a lot. It's just it's spinach and coconut milk and just a whole bunch of good spices. And then the one kind of exotic ingredient is um, chickpea garbanzo bean flour, which is actually one of the less expensive. Plant based flowers because some of them can get pretty pricey. Oh, yeah. And you just kind of make your little cubes of fake cheese with that flour, and it's good. But I would say my favorite recipe in it for just um, like normal ingredients, everybody can find them, is definitely the lasagna. I love that one. And it's the one that I get the most emails about from people saying, you know, I serve this to my family. They threatened to put Parmesan cheese all over it, but then they liked it just the way it was. Ooh, that sounds,
0: oh, I can't wait to try that. Yeah. Yes. So, um, where can we find your book? Amazon?
1: Yeah, you can find it wherever books are sold. Definitely Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And, um, yeah. And then on my podcast, one part podcast, I would say 99% of my guests are not plant-based eaters but mm-hmm. I force them to give me a plant-based recipe at the end of it just because it's you know I'm trying to get my mission across all the time one plant-based meal a day so it's been pretty fun to to kind of challenge them a little bit to find a recipe online and Some of them are a little bit resistant to it and then they find a recipe and then they talk about it on the podcast. They're like, oh, this actually looks kind of (laughs) good. So I think that's the thing I always tell people there. Like, what's your number one tip to going plant-based? It's like, find a recipe that looks good, Mm -hmm. which sounds obvious, but we don't do that. We like find a recipe that seems the most healthy or seems the most like what we're supposed to eat. But it's like, find a recipe that looks good. Yes. And I love that, that, that we're supposed to, rather than
0: being like, no, it's going to taste good. That's really what matters. Exactly. Yeah. So I have a couple more questions for you. Yeah, so sure. you introduced me to Jalen Jacoby podcast <laughs> and I love it. And cause I'm a huge basketball fan um, mm-hmm. and I'm in Minnesota. So I'm a Timberwolves fan. So I'm very Ooh. excited yeah. about the Jimmy Butler yeah. trade here. Yeah. And also side note. So my son's name is Jalen and we named him what? after Jalen like, and we, that was the only name we could agree upon. So you kind of, in you know, some weird way got us to name our son Jalen. Otherwise oh, I don't think that would have been an option.
1: <laughs> so I was like, kind of fun. <laughs> That's amazing. Have you left that? M- you should, you should call in on Women Wins. Oh, don't you worry. I did. Okay. And they okay. played my, they played me. <laughs> no way. Are you yes. kidding? Yep. So
0: I was, I just, I've only done it once and they actually played mine. And I had said, Oh, I named, you know, our son Jalen after you. And and I would asked about why, because my husband's name is Ben and he wanted to name him Ben Jr. Uh-huh. And I was like, why do guys always want to name Ben like a junior? And so
1: they chatted about that as well. Oh so. my gosh. I'm going to have to go back. <laughs> now I know who you are. Like, it would be yes. so cool to listen to that. Oh my God. That's amazing.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so I'm like, yes, I want to play one of their games and they call it boss move or soft move.
1: Oh my God. This is my dream come true. <laughs>
0: so for all of you if you don't know so like boss move is something that like yes you agree on it's a great decision soft move might be
1: kind of the opposite so i have a couple for you oh my god this is like literally <laughs> makes my entire week okay
0: so the first one boss move or soft move ordering off the kids menu boss move Love it. learning how to
1: cook boss move for sure giving up coffee uh I'm going to have to say soft move if you love
0: it. Love it. Now, the <laughs> next one, I had to throw an NBA one in there. Uh-huh. Jimmy Butler giving out his cell phone number at his welcome press conference yesterday in Minnesota. <laughs> I'm going to have to say soft move because you know he changed that right after. Yeah. I know, and I heard that, <laughs> I just heard him talking about it and they said that it might have already been
1: pre-planned and that was not actually his number, yeah, but a voicemail yeah. number. <laughs> right. It's kind of like, I mean, boss move, Marketing wise, yes. soft move like making us think that that was really real.
0: Yes, <laughs> and then last one: eating one plant-based meal a day. So boss, <laughs> I love it. So yes, thank. You. That was my first
1: time getting to play that game. So <laughs> oh my God, I love it so much. <laughs> I can't wait to tell my family because my I introduce my entire family to that podcast, so and good. they always still reference it like they invented it. And I'm like, remember who told you about that podcast, people. (laughs) I know. I find myself like dropping their, like just quirks
0: that they say all the time. And my husband's like, you're such a dork. (laughs) (laughs) So my last question, I always like to ask all the guests. So I usually give my listeners a weekly challenge for the upcoming week. So when I have guests on, I like to have you guys kind of give them a weekly challenge for the upcoming week. So what Mm -hmm. would you like that challenge to be?
1: Well, obvious, like I would love for everyone (laughs) next week to eat one plant-based meal a day. But in addition to that, because I feel like, you know, that's the obvious one, Mm -hmm. I would say next week that when you're doing that one plant-based meal a day, I would say as soon as you start judging yourself on anything, yell at yourself in your head and say, cut it out. So sometimes I have to yell at myself in my head, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like if I'm going down a negative path in my head, I have to stop myself and say, stop it. I so yeah. It. So let's stop ourselves from judging ourselves moving forward. Ooh, I love that. That is a great challenge. I had figured that was what you were going to pick. I was like, Oh, I bet. You're <laughs> I know, but I, I threw in another one. <laughs> I like it.
0: I like it. All right. It's been so fun having you on today, Jessica. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Yes. Thank you. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the peaceful power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again and go out there and spread your peaceful power.